This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello everyone and welcome to a special edition of the Finsider Daily right here on the Finsider, part of the SB Nation Network. On today's episode, we are joined by Spencer Schultz of Baltimore Beatdown to talk about the Miami Dolphins' Week 1 matchup versus the Baltimore Ravens. How can the Dolphins counter Lamar Jackson's speed? How can they stop the Ravens' pass rush? And what can they do to come out on top? All of this and more on today's episode of Finsider Daily. Hello everyone and welcome to a special September 6th edition of the Finsider Daily right here on the Finsider, part of the SB Nation Network. And I'm your host Josh Houts. You can follow me on Twitter at at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. And today I'm joined by a special guest, Spencer Schultz of Baltimore Beatdown. He also does some work for Fansided, Locked On Ravens. You can follow him on Twitter at at Ravens4, the number four dummies. Spencer, how are you doing today, man? Doing fantastic. I just watched the very first game of the NFL regular season, and it was not a lot more entertaining than the very last game of the NFL season, the uh, Super Bowl into the Bears-Packers game, a couple defensive bloodbaths. But excited to have football back. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing good, man, and I don't know about you, but I play fantasy football. I had David Montgomery in a few leagues, uh, you know, Tyreek Cohen here and there. There were some pieces that – you know, they didn't just not, did not get started. Was there anyone that you had in your fantasy lineup that, you know, you were just sitting here frustrated as all hell when you saw that final score 10 to 3? Was there anyone that you kind of regretted keeping in your starting lineup heading into the weekend's games? Uh, so I am in a league for Locked on Ravens that I joined kind of last minute, and I was not aware that it was true standard scoring, so zero PPR. And I started David Montgomery, and he outscored Devontae Adams I was playing, so I was happy about that. <laughs> so I'll take that. 
that is insane. I don't think anybody would have predicted that, you know, even in a standard league. But we're talking about fantasy, and I have to transition right away into your quarterback. I know we talked about it on your podcast, Lamar Jackson. I mean, that is a guy that I personally thought the world of coming out of the draft. I thought he was a guy that the Dolphins should have made a move for, if not there at 13, if they didn't, you know, trade back up kind of like Baltimore did. But tell me about Lamar Jackson, kind of his development this offseason. We keep continuing to hear, you know, in Greg Roman's offense, he's starting to take those next steps and transition to an elite quarterback, you know, a guy that can make all the throws. Uh, complete opposite of kind of what we saw there towards later this part of the season. So what can we expect from Lamar Jackson in 2019 and most importantly going up against that Dolphins defense? Yeah, absolutely. Lamar's made great strides. He has been working on his base and he had the craziest, most narrow base dating back to his freshman year at Louisville, where it's kind of painful. It was kind of painful to watch at times. Like, why is this guy standing so skinny? And he would just use his complete upper body and his arm to whip and not really separating his upper body or excuse me. He was separating his upper body from his lower body and not being fluid. And that's been a work in progress since Louisville. And it has gotten significantly better. Lamar wants to prove that he's a passer, that he's a capable passer and it's just that consistency, his toes staying pointed towards his target and, and his follow-through as well. So upper body-wise, the major thing that Lamar has worked on is closing off his non-throwing shoulder. So that's keeping your, in, your non-throwing arm and your non-throwing shoulder tight and kind of using that as a guide to where you want to put the ball and then following through that way. So Lamar's looked a lot better. I would say that Lamar's best asset and it translates fluidly between the run game and the pass game is his vision and his spatial awareness. So we were just watching Mitch Trubisky and the Packers on the inaugural night. And something that I noticed about Trubisky consistently is when the pocket breaks down, where do his eyes go? They go down. He wants to find ground. He wants to run. Lamar has the confidence in his legs and in his ability to move within the pocket but will never, ever, 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 very rarely put his eyes down. He's always keeping his eyes downfield. Now, last year he was doing that just fine. A lot of times there were some really errant throws where you're just kind of like, eh. And a lot of them kind of seem to be the result of expecting a receiver to sit down and them not ever sitting down, which I blame on Lamar because if the receivers are always continuing in their route and you keep throwing it to where they were, You need to change, not them, because I assume that's within the offense. Um, All summer long, really, it's been shocking. From covering training camp and being out there, I attended 12 of 15 practices. All the Ravens did was throw the ball in camp. They didn't work on the run game, hardly. Um, I'm sure that they did behind closed doors and have. They had a great running game last year. They added Mark Ingram. The line is pretty much the same, same tight ends. Um, so I think they were confident with the run game and just kind of adding some mental aspects to that. But it's thro- it was throwing all summer, nonstop, throwing, 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 no matter who was quarterback. So a lot of reps have been taken. Jackson didn't have those last year, and I've seen a lot of progress for sure. Yeah, and that has to get you very excited as a Ravens fan because I think if Lamar Jackson can get that throwing down to kind of where, you know, he's already proven that he can be that playmaker in the running game. If he can get his passing game down to, you know, similar attributes. I mean, this guy has the opportunity to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion. Uh, We talked about a little bit last night on the podcast, uh, the Dolphins, they really don't have a pass rusher on this defensive line. You know, maybe they have Charles Harris, you know, maybe John Jenkins, the veteran can step up. Maybe they get some pressure interior. Uh, 
But how do you see the Dolphins defending Lamar Jackson? I mean, you've seen him develop throughout his career. What would you think would be the best way? Do they use a guy like Jerome Baker? Do they use a Minka Fitzpatrick? How would you try to stop Lamar Jackson if you were the Dolphins? What I'm going to do based on the Chargers tape from the wild card playoff game last year is I'm going to take Minka Fitzpatrick. I'm bringing him down in the box. And whoever the Dolphins believe is their strongest outside pass rusher, I'm going to stick Minka Fitzpatrick right on that pass rusher's outside hip. And I'm going to have that defensive end or outside linebacker. Maybe it's Jerome Baker. Maybe it's Charles Harris. I'm going to have them come crash in and try and sit on those options and those RPOs and force Lamar Jackson to make a quick decision. So number one, Lamar Jackson struggled with fumbles severely last year. A lot of those were on RPOs. Uh, A lot of those were on read options, about five out of the 13. And so I'm going to have him crash in and then I'm going to have Minka Fitzpatrick right there as my reinforcement. And that could also be Rashad Jones. Both of those guys are great in the box um, either or, but I want them up in the box on one side of the field and forcing a quick handoff, a quick throw, a quick decision and seeing if I can't get in there and jar the ball loose. Uh, That's going to be a general strategy, but the Ravens anticipate to come downhill a lot more. Um, that's kind of why they got Hollywood Brown to take the top off. Otherwise there's not incredible speed anywhere else. So I'm going to come up in the box. I'm going to make him uncomfortable and I'm going to make him show what he's done this summer. If he can do that, that's outstanding, but I do not want him beating me with my legs and I don't want the Ravens to ground and pound. So load the box, make them beat Xavier Howard, make them beat Micah Fitzpatrick, Rashad Jones, and, um, the, I'm sorry, who's the free safety Dunbar, uh, Bobby McCain. McCain, McCain, McCain. I always get yeah, by McCain transitioned there uh, this offseason. Yep. He was on the he played the little nickel. They moved into back there to free safety. Uh, I guess we'll see how that works out. But you made a perfect transition into the playmakers on your offense. I mean, you got Willie Sneed, Marquise Brown, like you mentioned, Seth Roberts, Jaleel Scott, Miles Boykins, who I think has kind of shown enough in preseason to earn that spot in that roster. Then you got the running backs. And I mean, it's pretty loaded there. Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, a guy like Justice Hill, who I absolutely love. Tell me which of these guys the Dolphins should try to, you know, shut down the most that could impact the way that this game plays out. Because we talked about Mark Andrews. We know he is a seam threat. We know how the Dolphins struggle with tight ends. Which of these guys, you know, whether it be the running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, who is going to be the explosive playmaker that the Dolphins don't shut them down? You know, the game's just going to unravel. I wouldn't call it so much the explosive playmaker as much as the security blanket, the safety net. And that's going to be Andrews and Sneed. Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews kind of have a similar understanding of soft spots that I really see with Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz. And in my opinion, Wentz kind of force feeds Ertz a little bit too much to kind of the uh, discontent of the offense and kind of takes away some of the flow and the play design. But Andrews is always going to sit down five yards if he sees it. He's just going to break off his route and go sit in a soft spot. And him and Lamar Jackson have been on the same page all summer. That's something that hasn't really been seen a ton of. Um, Andrews' pace last year when Jackson was under center was about 44 yards a game, about four catches, which spaced out over 16 games is going to give you over 800 yards. So I'm going to try and take him away. Willie Sneed is the other security blanket. When they run those RPOs and those quick passes, Sneed's running slants. And so those two guys over the middle of the field, Lamar Jackson prefers to throw up the seams um, around the intermediate range, the 10 to 15, uh, 12 to 17 yard range. That's his super success zone of passing. So I'm going to take inside leverage. I'm going to, you know, 
crowd that area, crowd the box, crowd those slants, and make him throw outside of the numbers. So I'm pretty much leaving the sideline open, and I'm going to you know, say Hollywood Brown, go beat us, Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin got a ton of first-team reps. He was really impressive in camp. Um, he was inconsistent with his hands a couple of times, but showed outstanding release and uh, the ability to vary speed within his routes. And so they also have Hayden Hurst, the guy that a lot of people forget about, was drafted ahead of Lamar and Lamar, or excuse me, Mark Andrews last year. And so they've got some decent options, but again, I want to take away the middle of the field. Yeah, and you mentioned Minka Fitzpatrick and how he could counter that Lamar Jackson, those RPOs and and different things there. That is a guy that could also, you know, I could see him locking down on Mark Andrews or at least trying to to kind of counter that seam threat there. I need to ask about the running backs because Admittedly, I'm a little bit selfish here. Again, we talked about fantasy football. I'm a huge Justice Hill fan. I drafted him in Debbie Leagues, Dynasty Leagues. I've drafted him in some redraft, best balls. I have a lot of shares in Justice Hill. Do you, how do you see him, you know, getting what, – what do you think his production is going to be in this game and then further into the 2019 season? Is Justice Hill a guy that should be on everyone's radar? Absolutely should be on everyone's radar. In this game, I see the Ravens relying on Mark Ingram heavily and trying to shove him down the Dolphins' throat early, often, and continuously. So I don't see a huge splash impact early as they're still trying to test with Justice Hill his pass pro, which he's been surprisingly effective in. I thought that was going to be a major weakness in his game. It hasn't been. Um, His inside zone ability has been way more impressive than I thought it was going to be as far as making one cut, getting your foot in the ground and kind of taking on tacklers and embracing contact. I've been honestly shocked by that ability of Justice Hill. Um, So I would anticipate him to catch on probably around the second month of the season, uh, perhaps after the bye. But he's a guy that is explosive. He can hit the second level. He can make you miss. And he also showed he can run through you just a little bit, especially as these linebackers in the NFL have kind of slimmed down and tried to be able to play in space more effectively as opposed to the old school guys. So I would anticipate Justice Hill uh, making a splash a couple of games, but I don't think you're going to want to start him consistently or be putting him in the flex or anything, especially not for the first month or so. But say you're a DraftKings guy, a daily fantasy guy, I could see him being a super steal, maybe week five, week four and on, where you know he's, what, $4,400, $4,700 on DraftKings, and you throw him in there so you can grab yourself Alvin Kamara and DeAndre Hopkins and him absolutely right. helping you out there. Right, and I think that's kind of where I see the value. I think Justice Hill, you know, long-term could be the future there in Baltimore, but I don't know that he's going to get quite that heavy workload that many would expect from an RB1 or RB2. We got to transition now to the Ravens defense and the Dolphins offense. And the quarterback position has been all the talk throughout preseason and training camp for the Miami Dolphins. We know Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starting quarterback. What are Raven things? What's the pulse down there in Baltimore of, you know, going against a guy that's been in the NFL for 15 years. We saw him last season with Deshaun Jackson rocking the chain. You know, Fitzmagic has some really good games and they all seem to come early in the season. Is Baltimore concerned at all with Fitzmagic? And how do you see this game playing out from that standpoint? This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. 
It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. So John Harbaugh referred to Ryan Fitzpatrick this week in a presser as a swashbuckler and couldn't be more appropriate coming off of his time with the Buccaneers where he had that Fitz magic going. The Ravens fans are scared. I'm going to be blatantly honest. They don't know what to expect. The last time the Ravens faced Ryan Fitzpatrick, I believe, was 2012. Fitzpatrick threw for 382 yards and four touchdowns in Baltimore. Um, so that is the last memory that Ravens particularly, the Ravens fans particularly have of him. I don't believe that, put number one, putting Josh Rosen in right now would be responsible for the Dolphins especially after trading Tunsil, bringing in Davenport and having all those inexperienced guys. So Fitzpatrick's going to be able to check protection a little bit better, understand how to get the ball out and those kinds of things. The Dolphins' speed on the outside is the key to this game, in my opinion. If the Dolphins are going to win this game, it's going to be done with Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker, and I think a little bit of trickery of sorts kind of doing something creative with mesh routes and crossing routes and perhaps a little, you know, throwback play here and there because the Ravens have an outstanding secondary and they do possess a lot of team speed defensively. But those two guys in particular, Wilson and Grant, they can run past anybody in the league. So I think there's some big play potential. If the Ravens can limit that to two, three big plays instead of, you know, five or six, they're going to be looking good and vice versa. If the Dolphins are able to kind of hit consistently as Ryan Fitzpatrick always has a really high average distance of target and yards per attempt, then the Ravens could be in trouble. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that was very good of you to touch on that because we were eventually going to get into that. Let's talk about the offensive line. We know the Miami Dolphins are currently playing musical chairs. In fact, Brian Flores came out and they kind of alluded to the potential that, you know, you run down this list, Julian Davenport at left tackle, Michael Dieter at left guard, Daniel Kilgore at center, Shaq Calhoun at right guard, and Jesse Davis at right tackle. That might not even be the starting lineup, and that's the way the depth chart looks right now. But they are still working this thing into Sunday's game. So I know Dolphin fans are absolutely petrified of what this offensive line is going to look like. Uh, Sands, Laramie Tunsil after he moved to Houston. Where do you see the Ravens up front the most, uh, their biggest strength, and how can they attack that Dolphins offensive line that could end up you know, paying dividends later on? So the Ravens have kind of bought into a philosophy of having two fat guys on the field and then surrounding them with speed. So they're going to be using Michael Pierce, who is an outstanding inside gap defender, Brandon Williams, who's as stout as they come at the point of attack in the, against the run game. Um, they also drafted Daylon Mack out of Texas A&M, who started to come on later in preseason and training camp, which kind of led to the Ravens letting go of a couple surprise guys. And then Chris Wormley. Those guys are plus run defenders, all of them. So I could see the Dolphins really, really, really struggling to run the ball, especially early. If you do want to run the ball, I would say spread it out. You don't want to get into a pro-style war of attrition with the Ravens because of Michael Pierce and Brandon Williams. And you have to double team 
both of them or they will defeat you more consistently unless you're a premier guard in the NFL kind of they have the only person who's consistently given them trouble is David DeCastro on the Pittsburgh Steelers has been able to kind of man man up and take them on so the Dolphins should try to spread the Ravens out attack the seams and if you want to run the ball I'm going to be doing some quick hitters and some draws after trying to get some of those bigger guys off the field running tempo to get them gassed that's been the Ravens biggest weakness over the last couple of years is Uh, Teams, for instance, the Cleveland Browns in week 17 of last year who spread the field out, went four wide, five wide trips, all kinds of stuff and running tempo and seeing if you can hit up the seams. But with the addition of Earl Thomas, that kind of is supposedly going to lock down that issue for the most part is Earl Thomas patrols the center of the field yet to be seen. But I'm confident that Earl will help improve that at least. But yeah, long story short, teams have the most success tempo spread against the Ravens. Good to know. Hopefully Chad, uh, Chad O'Shea is listening to this and, you know, they can go out there and, and put that game plan to, to fruition on Sunday. Before I let you go, I want to know, how do you see this game shaping up? Give me a score prediction and then let me know what you believe the Baltimore Ravens 2019 season is going to be. Personally, I think they're going to be right up there in the AFC North. I don't see any reason why they can't win that division. How do you see this game shaping up against Miami on Sunday? And how do you see the Ravens doing in the 2019 season? Like I said, if the Ravens are going to lose this game, it's going to be because of speed on the outside, uh, perhaps a punt return, some special teams woes um, with some long plays offensively from Fitzpatrick to those burners on the outside. I personally put a good bit of money on the Ravens minus six and a half, and I believe that they will cover that. And I think it should be a two score game when it's all said and done. I can see the Ravens coming out and trying to attack the Dolphins initially and kind of... uh, you know, getting into a little putt battle in the first quarter and then slowly starting to take over as the Dolphins don't have the offensive line to put up with the veteran front seven that the Ravens are trotting out. Um, so I'm going to say the Ravens win this one 33 to 17 is my prediction. And Fitzmagic comes on a little later. Maybe we see a little Josh Rosen and they come score a touchdown in the fourth quarter to make it a little bit closer. As an overall season outlook, I believe that the Ravens outstanding secondary is the key to success. As I've said, teams that have been successful against the Ravens have spread them out and run tempo. The Ravens lost to the chiefs last year. They weren't quite able to contain Patrick Mahomes, but adding Earl Thomas and another year's experience to guys like Tony Jefferson and Marlon Humphrey in the Ravens system should do some wonders for them. I'm confident in Lamar Jackson. I'm more confident than most As I said, I think he'll have a game or probably two, if I had to guess, two games that are kind of clunkers and the offense doesn't mesh well. Someone can stop the run consistently against the Ravens if they face a really good front seven, like they face uh, the Patriots and the Steelers both have really good front sevens and gives them some trouble. Um, The Ravens usually pull it together towards the end of the season. I have them winning 10 games and see them in the playoffs again. The Ravens have... 48 or excuse me, 47 players that were drafted or signed as UDFAs in Baltimore. And a lot of those guys are getting their second or third year in the system. So ascending young talent that has been kept in house. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of low on the Ravens defense after losing guys like CJ Mosley and Darius Smith. I would say the only one that really hurts is Darius Smith as they upgraded Earl Thomas over Eric Weddle. Um, If they're able to scheme up some pass rush, I don't see a huge fall off between C.J. Mosley and Patrick Owasso, 
who has been an absolute stud enforcer. He has had a nasty attitude all summer. Um, so I see the playoffs in the Ravens' future. It's going to come down to the end of the season, week 16 and 17, like it always does, where they play the Browns and the Steelers over the last two weeks, which should leave Ravens fans on their tips of their seats, uh, biting their fingernails and saying, oh, God, here we go again. But the Ravens got that monkey off their back last year, and I think they're ready to roll into the playoffs and hopefully make some noise. Spencer, it was a pleasure. Is there anything else, any projects you're working on you want to let our listeners know, maybe where to find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ravens number four dummies. I cover the Ravens a lot. I also am a part of a couple other things. I try to keep it really broad, NFL-wise, college football-wise. I cover D1 football, FBS at all levels for fan-sided. I also do base data analytics for PFF. Um, You won't ever really see anything on that, but... I'm involved with them a little bit. I also am pardon me, involved with Fair Shake Football, which is a same-day betting service where it is a monthly subscription. If it's $9.99 a month, you get a video breakdown, full analytical and statistical analysis, um, giving everything that you need to know objectively about betting, and you get same-day payments back through Cash App or your preferred mobile transfer service. Again, that's Fair Shake Football. You can find them on Instagram or on Twitter. And, yeah, that's about it. Thanks, Spencer. Thank you. It was a pleasure having you. Hopefully we can get together again. Hopefully, you know, the Dolphins win on Sunday and you're a little bit heartbroken. But, again, man, it was a pleasure having you. Good luck for, for the future of the, of the Baltimore Ravens. Hey, I appreciate it, Josh. And my hope for you guys is that we see some Josh Rosen at some point this season and he knocks off that need that Dolphins fans are feeling to draft a quarterback next year and you guys can go with the chosen Rosen and build around him that would be the perfect ending to a a perfect season I mean they got a treasure trove of draft picks I hope that happens as well but time will tell hey I appreciate it I had a lot of fun thanks Josh have a good night man you too that was Finsider Radio part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network Miami has the Dolphins Team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins. Number one, yes, we're the Miami Dolphins.